is I said, hey, look, a couple things. Um, I know I'm young, but I'm hungry. I got student loans I want to pay off. I want to make it, and I'm going to work hard for you, harder than anyone else. Uh, so while these other agents are off uh, in, uh, at their cottage in the summer, right, and they're enjoying their golden years, so I'm going to be hungry and out there working to sell your home. So I turned that into a positive, which actually helped me get a lot of listings once you confront it that way. So uh, there's an old saying, make the skeletons dance. You take the skeleton in your closet, you turn it into a positive. Welcome to the Picture of Wealth, or TPOW as we call it. I am your host, Dustin Service. That is the voice of Mark Ma Winnie. Now, we had a great visit. He coaches coaches. Now, if you want to understand someone who's built a business in less than 10 years, he is running a Facebook page called The Coaching Jungle with Mark Mawini, and he is 24,000 followers. He is also the leader of a company called Natural Born Coaches. He's also the mastermind behind a top secret for the eyes of motivated coaches only, Secret Coach Mastermind. Now, this is a group that he leads on tips and tricks for helping people run successful coaching businesses. Now, for a listener, if you're not a coach, I guarantee you that this podcast, we dive into a number of things that will be applicable for your business. We talk about if you're 25 and going out of university into the jungle of life, what things that you should be or you you could be considering and looking at as different avenues because it's a, it's a, it's a jungle. It's thick out there. It's unknown. It's uncertain. And Mark does a great job of unpacking that. He's talking to us from Moncton, New Brunswick. Again, he stayed up a little later at night to, to get us through, and he talks about what his favorite book is. And again, this book is from 1994, and I know of the book. I know it is, uh, well, actually, it's 1992, uh, was originally published, and it's still applicable today. Mark reads it every year to get his mindset right. So without further ado, I bring you Mark Mowinney. Listeners, uh, I'm excited to have Mark on the show. Mark is a coach of coaches. And again, what is that? And for any of you, you know, and listener, if you're not a coach, stay tuned because the tools and tricks that Mark has is crosses many uh, avenues into business and anyone who's into interacting with people, achieving things. And again, Mark, uh, thanks a lot for being on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me, Dustin. I, I think we need to have a bit of a backstory. Again, I don't want to, you know, people can look you up. They can see the success. You have a Facebook page called The Coaching Jungle with nearly 24,000 people uh, following along. And, you know, that's a great following and you've got a great message there. So for anyone who needs to check that out, it's on Facebook. It's a group, The Coaching Jungle. But get us up to speed with where this came from. I, you know, I have done some research on you. I know there's a bit of a real estate story in your background, but uh coaching coaches how where does this come from it's always tough to uh, try to condense you know um, a lot of years into 30 seconds you're not that old (laughs) well i don't know true story i got um i was buying cologne at shoppers drug mart the other day and she asked uh, no i i don't hide my age i turned 44 last summer and she said, um, are you 55? Because they had a discount, I guess, for that. And I said, oh, my God. Jeez, I hope not. But it, there's more grays in the beard than before. And she, and then she tried to play it off like, oh, no, no, we always check if it's within like 10 years or whatever. I'm like, yeah, yeah, sure. That's okay. Yeah. Um, right. Yeah, I mean, it, to make a very long story short, um, before I got into coaching, I was in real estate throughout my 20s. You know, I spent about a decade building up a, a good-sized real estate company and um, 
everything was rolling, hockey stick growth every year, you know, consistent growth. And then everything came uh, crashing down, you know, at about a hundred agents and employees and a couple offices and different companies under one roof. And um, prior to that, I didn't really know much about coaching. I'd actually had someone approach me before that popped into the real estate office, a business coach back when there weren't as many business coaches and me being a cocky, you know, late 20 something at the time thought like, take a look around. Does it look like I need a coach, you know, and set him on his way. Then everything came crashing down a few years after that. And I thought, geez, so maybe I should have worked with him. Uh, so I went through a few years of, I say in the wilderness, not literally, but a couple rough years where, uh, it was a very uh, surreal time because I never uh, failed at all. I was just, you know, I wouldn't say success was easy. It was a lot of work, but I hadn't stumbled as I was building that real estate business. And I went through a couple of years where everything I touched turned to crap. And I thought, geez, what the heck's going on here? Um, anyways, that's how I got into coaching because I ended up hiring several coaches just to figure out what the heck was going on and help me get back on my feet. And when I was ready to get back into business again in 2014, I thought, geez, I had a front row seat to see what coaching can do in people's lives. And this would be a great business to get into. And that's how I jumped into it. And here we are almost a decade later, um, still going. Yeah, well, that's uh, <clears throat> I think it's important to say, you know, I would uh, profess that listener, you're a self-made go-getter and uh, you've done amazing things on your own and you're busy. And, you know, you try and fit a coach into your program. Like, where is that going to happen? So, Mark, help us understand, you know, when you're working with coaches, like, but back us up to the, the end user. What is the value of a coach? Or is there a psychology, a psychological reason that, you know, kind of gets activated where people can access different parts of their brain? Or like, I just think, oh, hire a coach, another homework person. <laughs> yeah. Uh Coaching is getting more well-known. I think we're in a bubble in the online space and we think everybody knows about coaching. If I went through my neighborhood knocking on doors and asking people if they knew what a coach was, I'm sure a lot of them would think of sports, athletics, like, you know, like um, football coaches and wrestling coaches and so on. Um, it's getting better, but there's still a, a ways to go. Uh, the way I uh, answer that question, I would uh, say it doesn't matter how disciplined you are and how motivated, how much energy, what big goals you have. Uh, it's really tough to see the forest for the trees. You know, if you're, you're very close to the action and it's a very solitary experience, often building a business, for example. And uh, a coach is that second set of eyes. that's able to ask you questions to draw things out of you and give you some different perspectives and make you think differently about things. So I'm a big fan of coaching. You know, at any time I usually have one or two coaches that I'm working with in different areas on things. I just hired a health coach a few months ago just to kick my butt into shape uh, with it. So yeah, I mean, um, co coaching, it's, that's how I, the way I'd put it, a good coach helps their client get from point A to point B. That's probably the easiest definition I could give. Yeah. No, and that's, that's a great, and you, you touched on it, you know, most of the people, you know, we're talking business coaching, uh, the coaches that you are coaching, is it all business coaches or are we talking every genre of coach? No, it's all across the niches. So I do work with business coaches, life coaches, uh, relationship coaches. The health coach I hired is a past client of mine. I helped him with his business, so I knew him. And uh, that all came about because when I first started, when I got into coaching, it was very broad. I said, I'll work with any entrepreneur. I, I don't think entrepreneurs have enough support, and I think they get 
crapped on a lot. I always say entrepreneurs make the world go around. Um, what I realized in that first year, um, I had a couple entrepreneurs that were in different uh, industries or different fields, uh, but I was also working with a couple, two coaches as clients. And not nothing against my other clients, but I had the most fun with those coaches. It just seemed to click. It seemed to gel, and I was good at what I was doing. So I decided to plant my flag in the ground, focus only on helping coaches at that point. So anyone else that approaches me now, if there's someone that owns a restaurant or a gym or you know anything like that, I, I just politely say, hey, look, I can't help you. I only work with coaches. But hey, I could probably refer a good person to you because I've met a lot of coaches and worked with a lot. So um, yeah, that that's the importance of niching down is picking a lane and sticking to it. Mine's helping coaches. What do you think's been, you know, for talking business owner to business owner, what has been like a biggest breakthrough for you in, and I'm, I'm, I'm stretching a bit, but in your world, I assume digital marketing is, is a thing. I'm assuming you're not, you know, knocking on doors to find coaches to coach. So yeah. how have you built your business and how, you know, 24,000 followers on, on Facebook, there's obviously something that people want. So how, how have you done that? Yeah. So, um, I don't work locally. I'm in Atlanta, Canada. I have had clients come to me locally just that they stumble onto my podcast or something, but you won't see me advertising in local publications or doing local, you know, trade shows or anything like that. Um, 95% of my clients are in the United States and I like that. Nothing against people in my neck of the woods, but it gives me different perspectives working with people all over the place and not just in a local sandbox. Uh, so yeah, it's all, everything I do is online and there's so many different ways you can build a coaching business or any business online. What I'm really big on is focusing on what I say, um, three pillars and basically a pillar is where you're getting your message, your offers in front of the people that need to be hearing about you, the people you could help. And for me personally, I mean, your three pillars could be different, but um, the three pillars for me is podcasting. So that's my show, Natural Born Coaches, but also going out on shows like this. So both sides of the mic. Uh, another one's community building. And like you mentioned, the Facebook group, the coaching jungles, big part of what I do, uh, where that's a large group. And then finally, email marketing. I'm a really big fan of daily emails, which a lot of people think, Oh my God, that's crazy. And everything I've been doing daily emails since 2016 and. I don't plan on stopping. So if I'm doing those three pillars and I still do other things, you know, I'm on LinkedIn and other places, but if I'm focusing on those three things, I know that I'm in good shape. And so is there a more receptive nature to a coach to emails than common Mary Smith consumer? Is there, is there more traction there? <clears throat> I think there's a hesitation for people to get into daily emails because they think that people will um, find them at their home and kill them <laughs> or throw a rock through the window or yeah. something. Because, oh, my God, you know, they'll be mad at me if I'm sending daily emails. I think coaches are very receptive to it because if you're entertaining with your emails, you're providing some value in there then they're going to want to read them every day. It's going to be just like their morning cup of coffee, you know, that, that they're used to having. But I mean, there's other people that are interested in other things that would be uh, cool with daily emails. I mean, I'm sure there's, I don't know, I'm just throwing this out there. There's probably fans of the show um, Yellowstone, <laughs> you know, that maybe there's a daily yeah. email update because that seems to be the yet show now, or, you know, if someone's into like board games, that's a huge industry, which I didn't realize. 
there are these real board game geeks that are uh, geeking out on the design of games and talk about the plots and all this other stuff. I'm sure there's daily board game lists as well. So it's not just coaches, but I think coaches are um, set up well for it because they're very interested in getting an ROI and making money, getting more clients, getting more leads coming in. And a good email list can help them do that. Yeah, that's is is there something that was in your old past that that led to coaching? Like again, we talked about real estate. You needed some coaches, but there's a lot of different avenues you could have went after real estate sort of hit the bed per se. Yeah. Uh, so when everything happened, then uh, 2009, I I had an inkling I want to do something in personal development because I'd always been big on reading personal development books. You know, like Think and Grow Rich, and reading Tony Robbins stuff, and everything else. Um, I wasn't sure how that was going to look. Would I do speaking? You know, uh, would I be writing books? You know, motivational speakers, self help, personal development books, or whatever. So it was probably a little early at that point when I first started thinking about it because coaching wasn't fleshed out as much as it was when I eventually jumped into it in early 2014. There was um, more of a coaching industry out there. Now, coaching's been around for decades, but it, it wasn't as well known then. So the reason I like coaching is um, well, a couple things. I mean, I, I love the flexibility. So for being in real estate for like a decade, I found myself um, very restricted. Like I couldn't leave that. Obviously, I could leave my uh, area, my city. But anytime I traveled anywhere, inevitably, there'd be just some BS stuff popping up, you know, like some sort of issue because, you know, I'm managing a bunch of agents on the team. And then you got clients with issues. Uh, true story. Uh, my ex-wife and I went down to Vegas. We actually got married in Vegas in 06. And uh, we weren't on the strip for an hour. And my phone rang with my assistant. And she was told, only contact me if it's an emergency. And she was really good about it. But when I saw her number, I'm like, oh, God, what happened? And uh, this was February. Being in Atlanta, Canada, one of our listings was a vacant home. And uh, whichever agent showed it, we never figured out who, because there have been a bunch of showings. They turned um, what they thought was a light switch off, because usually oil furnace switches are painted red, so people don't do this. This one wasn't. So they thought it was a light switch, vacant home. When they're leaving, they turned the switch off. It turned off the furnace. Uh, all the pipes froze, being February in Canada. Uh, they all burst. They wrecked the hardwood floors, just tr tons of damage to the house or whatever. And I remember saying to, uh, to my now ex-wife back then, I said, uh, I don't think I want to be doing this when I'm 70 years old. You know, I said, like, you can't even, I can't even travel without worrying about stuff like that. So, for me, uh, not to knock real estate, I had fun through those years with it, but it just, um, I was ready to do something new because that's all I'd done basically right out of university. My whole adult life was selling real estate, being a broker and everything else. I like the flexibility of coaching. Um, I just got back from Niagara Falls. I went with a buddy, uh, brought the laptop. I did, you know, 15 minutes of work in the morning in the hotel room before we were off for the day. Bang. Everything's great, you know, that way. And uh, it's something that I feel like I'm making bigger footprint in the world um, than perhaps if I was selling real estate locally because I'm helping people all over the world. And uh, I think there's a ripple effect there as well. So that's interesting to me. Just side story. How did you solve that problem? So that's that was on the agency? Is that you had to take the um, <clears throat> I'm trying to remember right. This is where it got even more awkward, just to, you know, the plot twist. It was one of my employees 
homes. She was one, it, I had a property management company that uh, was a sister company for the real estate um, business. And she worked with the property management company. So she didn't sue us or anything because that would probably be a little awkward where, you know, we yeah. were her employer. And I think that insurance would have covered it in that case uh, with it. But yeah, like I felt bad. I felt uh, awful. Um, but, you know, it's one of those things is it, it was an accident. It wasn't like the agent, whoever did that, did it on purpose. Right. But it did highlight how um, there's not a lot of um, opportunities for R&R in real estate. You, you've got that phone on you. It's ringing a couple hundred times a day. I had that uh, phantom ringing problem. You know, that thing they say when you, you're used to your phone buzzing. And then even when it's not in your pocket, you're still feeling like that vibration. That's what. Yeah, I was feeling that. Or I would I'd try to put the phone away. I'd go to a movie with my wife um, could never go to the late show because by the time the late show got out, it'd be 11 PM too late to call people back. If I was working on offers and all this other stuff. Right. So we go to the early show, whatever time it starts seven o'clock and be done by nine ish. And then the rest of the night I get home, I'm like, well, I got to return 40 calls or whatever, because we're working on right. all this stuff. And I'd be up till, you know, late at night returning calls with it. And, um, I could do it at that time because my son, he's 14 now. He had, he was just born at the tail end of it. But so for most of the time, I didn't have a child, but now I do. And I thought, wow, I couldn't do that now in my forties. I wouldn't want to be doing that particular business. So in, so in your world now, you've got, uh, is it a business model that's like online or is it one on one coaching? Like where are you getting your, your revenue? And so. You know, again, from what I've seen, you know, maybe you could unpack the business model a little bit without getting into the numbers. But this is this a business you would sell for lots in the future, or is this a lifestyle business for you as well? So, um, I guess to answer your first question, my business is all virtual. I don't meet anyone in person. You know, so I'm on. I was using Zoom, Skype, and Zoom a lot before COVID hit. When everyone figured out about uh, Zoom. I had one of my best friends, a lawyer here, and uh, well, now he's a judge, but at the time he was a lawyer. And uh, right when COVID hit, he called me up and uh, he's like, Mark, I, oh my God, I found a great tool. You'd probably love this. I thought you'd want to check it out. I said, okay, well, what is it? He said, well, it's called Zoom. It's a video conference. I'm like, yeah, well, well, Scott, I live on Zoom. I've lived on it for years. I'll Skype when I first started, then I went to Zoom. So I'm like, you don't have to tell me about it. But um, yeah, so... so uh, I work virtually uh, with people. I don't meet anyone in person, although I do speak at events and stuff like that, I, which is cool to meet people that you've known virtually than in person. Right. Um, but um, my offers go anywhere from um, I have a hard copy newsletter that's $97 a month, nine ninety seven a year, all the way up to $10,000 one-on-one coaching and everything in between there. And then I do joint ventures with partners as well. So if a partner has something, uh, that can benefit coaches and they want to get it in front of my audience, I'll promote them and I'll get paid to promote them that way. Yes. Right. So there's, so there's different revenue streams. It, it's not, uh, I, cause I'm, I'm, I always, so there's two types of wealth advisors. Usually there's build the biggest practice and then sell it. Or there mm -hmm. is, you know, have a sustainable business uh, and collect a reasonable income and, not you know not build it up and sell it so you have you know, more lifestyle more is that what you're prescribing to or is that what real estate well, taught you or are you not right now you're just in build mode my, my plan because there's pros and cons doing it each way um the issue with growing everything tied to mark Mooney, i get hit by a bus tomorrow um you know that that's not good 
Uh, so a lot of my business is tied to, uh, I, I'll say my sparkling personality. <laughs> I'm being sarcastic. <laughs> yeah. But but um, I've like, you know, with my daily emails, with my content, with my podcast, a certain sense of humor, a certain um, point of view that I put out there for coaches around business, you know, very pro-capitalist and, and got a lot of like inside jokes with, you know, um, my community and stuff like that. And it's very personality based. As time goes on and as I get older, I would like to set up some things so it's not so tied to me. You know, so if I'm doing things like if there's coaching certifications, like coaching school, stuff like that, it's not so much Mark Mawinney uh, with it. So right now it's tilted more towards, yeah, I'm very involved directly. That could change. I mean, I'd love to have my son um, get involved. He's 14 now and he's uh, starting this summer with, uh, you know, uh, starting to do stuff in the business because he's good with video editing, different things like that. So if if he wanted to when he got old enough, I'd love for him to be involved in the business and, and do some stuff there. Pro capitalist, uh, you have a son. This is great because uh, yeah. I have two sons and, uh, you know, we live a certain side of life, set of lifestyle and try and teach them things. And, you know, they're only five and seven, so we have yeah. a long ways to go. But what are you, is there any sort of, core values at, at 14 uh, years old that you're really trying to instill in them uh, without being trying to keep this very non-political, but you kind of get my question of like, yeah. what, well, are you well, for, them to, what tools are you giving them? And I don't know if this is, if the video is released for this or just audio, but you can see what's in the background. Yeah. Anyone who, Anyone who can't see it, I have a portrait of a bunch of hundred-dollar American Stack girls. Yeah. That, yeah, the Benjamins look so much cooler than our Canadian money money. Right? <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not a fan of uh, the Canadian money. So, um, you know, it's interesting, and I don't want to get too political either. Get you canceled nowadays? It's a dirty word to be pro-capitalist, but I do find it very um, strange to have. There are a lot of coaches that. Uh, bash capitalists and almost like they think it's dirty to make money to make a profit and i've seen this time and time again in the coaching world and everything i do is trying to to bash away at that belief i guess uh with it and say hey as a coach it's okay to be charging a lot of money if you're good at what you do you deserve to be compensated well for it you know i don't hide that anyone who follows my stuff knows that i'm very pro-capitalist and uh, i won't be joining the socialists of Canada, uh, or, you know, be wearing an AOC t-shirt or shade, you know, or Fidel Castro shirts or anything. No, probably not. Um, but I think anyone in business should, should probably not be bashing capitalism. I think they should be, uh, okay with making money and being compensated for doing a good job. Yeah. Well, I think the big word in there, if, if listener, you didn't get it is value. Uh, you know, if in our world, if we help someone, they have 240000 in tax and we charge them 20000 to do it. That's a good deal. That's a steal. Yeah. Um, Bob Berg, who wrote the book, The Go-Giver, he was an early guest on my show way back, I think 2014, 2015. And he said something that stuck with me all those years in between. He said, money is an echo of value. So basically, if you're putting enough value out into the marketplace or out into the universe to go a little woo-woo, uh, you're going to be compensated. You know, you're going to notice that come back in your bank account or in your wallet uh, with it. So I think it's win-win. Uh, like you mentioned in, with your example there, of helping save, people save $240,000 in, in taxes, I'm sure you could probably charge even more, right? That's a steal if you're paid 20000 So I, I'm trying to help coaches get away from this weird, icky feeling around money. Because there's some really messed up beliefs, not just with coaches, I think humans in general, 
uh, when it comes to money. Well, we're uh, this is waiting a little bit on the edge of my comfort zone, but I think it's humans right now. the The momentum is equalization of sort of everything. Yeah, and um. And again, I, I might pivot for a sec because I feel like I'm getting kind of excited about, uh, you know, things. Yeah. But I, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I'm supportive of, uh, you know, value. I'm support, you know, any business owner that, that you talk to, usually it's, you know, I, I don't mind paying myself if I get something back. And nowadays with technology, even my, my, my best friend's a dentist. And they have fancy cameras that look like a pen. And so Ooh. nowadays, you know, back in the day, it was like, oh, you got a cavity. It's like, okay, well, that's going to cost a bit more. But then he's got this pen, and he takes a picture. There's your tooth. You see that coloration? Drills a bit, takes a picture. You see it now? There's a cavity. Oh, yeah, it is. So it's like more transparent. So the tools of nowadays is way more that we can demonstrate that value in either dollars or visual things. Um, that's social, you know, social proof. You're coaching jungle, 24,000 people. Obviously, there's something... Interesting. So when we're trying to sift through the world of of busyness, there's there's value there. So finish off the the uh, the thing on your 14 year old. Uh, give me some inspiration for uh, you know I've got seven years till my son, my oldest, is there. Uh, you know where 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 are people at at 14? And uh, you know being a dad, right? where where are the kids at? Lots of things going on in the school, and uh, so what sort of other core anchors are you giving them to to sort of make good decisions well i'm very lucky knock on wood um everybody says their kids the best right <laughs> you're biased yeah. but um our son is uh has never slammed the door never talked back to his mother or i um extremely uh thoughtful um it's just, I don't, yeah, we locked out. We got the kid lottery with it. And even when it comes to this past Christmas, I'm asking him in advance, like, what do you, what would you like for Christmas? Oh, don't worry about me, dad. I'm good. <laughs> I'm like, well, you know, <clears throat> most kids would give a whole list or whatever. And, uh, yeah, he's just, uh, not, you know, interested in material things like that. You know, uh, he had a good Christmas. I got him some cool stuff, but he wasn't giving me any help with it. And I'm sure. He he's almost like you know don't don't worry about me dad or whatever you know with <laughs> it so um, <clears throat> I, I'll say enjoy your time because I know it's cliche to say time flies but it just seems like yesterday that I was stepping on Thomas the train toys and cursing you know I was stepping all around the living room and stuff and now he's going to a winter formal he just started high school uh, so he's going to his winter formal dance uh, this week he's going to be driving you know in, what two years. <laughs> It's uh, that uh, his voice is changing. Um, I bought him a razor just in case because that's going to be coming up soon. So he's almost as tall as me. He's getting there. So yeah, time flies. Um, I think the big thing for me though is um, I mentioned earlier I'd love for him to get involved with the business, but it's his choice at the end of the day. I don't want to shoehorn him into doing something if it's not his passion. And same thing goes with university. I mean, I went to university. I have a, a degree. Um, I can't say that I did anything with that degree. I don't even know where it is. It's in a box somewhere in storage uh, with it. I, I had fun at university, but I'm not it's, uh, telling him, you have to go to university. You have to take this. You have to do that. If he wants to jump in and start a business, 
when he got done high school, I'd be very happy to say, hey, here's your university money and put into the business or something with it. So I'm all about uh, life short, do what makes you happy. And there's no uh, pressure to, to do a certain thing just because I want him to. Like, that's not my style of parenting. And what would you say to, you know, listener who's age 25? And so they're, there's, you know, and I'm looking at the image of, uh, of your Facebook thing. It's a, you know, it says the coaching jungle and, uh, it's a jungle and you're swinging through the vines. And, uh, the, 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 the image and the word of jungle for a business owner Mm. or for someone 25 about to start their career is very, very fitting. It's, I'm sure there's a lot of deliberateness there, but yeah. for the 25 year old or your son who's 10 years older, is it, is it still go get a bigger education or where, where do they go? I, in the I'm very lu- lukewarm on university and, um, I know I'll get, I'd get backlash saying that. Um, I think if you're going into something that's uh, very specific with a path there, like, uh, one of my ex girlfriends years ago, She's an audiologist, uh, so she helps people with hearing stuff. And she had a very clear track when she went through university with her degree and with that. And then I think that makes sense. Um, for me, I took a Bachelor of Arts. I have a Bachelor of Arts degree with a, a political science major, history minor. It's not like I'm like, oh, I'm going to go work in the political science factory down the street, right? Um, I love politics. I follow politics. It was a great experience there. But uh, I see too many people just get doing university or college because they think that they have to. Um, I sure as heck I'm grateful that I'm not in the States with him going into college with the campuses and safe spaces and a lack of free speech and a lot of indoctrination. I think on the, especially the American um, campuses, that that's a scary time uh, to be down there. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm very lukewarm on it. I think you can get a great education from the school of hard knocks, starting a business. Um, what I would say to the 25 year old who's listening, um, first off, don't pay too much attention to the media because it's going to scare the crap out of you. You know, you're hearing it in the news now how this year is going to be this awful recession. It's going to be, you know, like terrible and this and that. They're whipping up the fear. Um, I think it's the best time to be starting a business, especially if it's an online business. So back in my real estate days, um, I spent, oh my God, a fortune opening up offices, buying office equipment, chairs, desks, computers, a huge square footage, everything else, um, brochures, print advertising, radio ads, all this other stuff. God, just a ton of money. Um, now you can start a business with like 10 bucks, GoDaddy, you get a URL that you like, bang, you're off to races, free social media, you know, roll up your sleeves and put the work in and, and do it. So I, I would say don't listen to the media, don't List of people um, who've never started a business telling you, oh, don't start a business. They've never been entrepreneurs. Get in, get started. If you fail, you know what? I, I failed. And if you pick yourself back up, you take the lessons from it, you move on, and, and life goes on with it. So I, I think it's a great time to be alive. I mean, people in the 60s would give their front teeth to be able to reach it. Well, I don't know. There's 8 billion people in the world. How many people have internet access? Is it 4 billion? I think half, something okay. like that. Maybe like that for free. You can literally reach half the people on earth for free with free social media, et cetera. So great time to be in business and to be alive. No, that's for sure. You, uh, you bring up a good point about, uh, I think of the, the business and, and did you, do you have any highlight stories of sales success in the real estate business where it was like you did something and, uh, cause 
that's a people business as much as it's, you know, yeah. you're dealing with people, buyers and sellers, you're dealing with <clears throat> agents. Uh, but for anyone, you know, is there a, a story you could share of, of success or a, yeah. a, a big win or a moment in that, uh, the real estate stuff? Sure. Uh, so when I started real estate, I was 21 years old, fresh out of university. I looked about 15 or 16. So I mentioned at the beginning of this interview, I'm getting carded for being a senior citizen now. Back then, I, if I was buying a bottle of wine for a, a client who bought a house as a housewarming gift, I always got carded because I looked like I was like 16 years old. And uh, I, I was skinny too. Like my face was like this. It's like, get this kid a sandwich. Uh, so going into real estate, a lot of people, um, I remember my family, my parents were a little bit... Uh, hesitant like oh gee like you know you don't get paid it's commission and other people were um kind of throwing cold water on it because the friends i had didn't have any money they're all coming out of university student loans they weren't buying selling houses and i look like a kid and uh you're asking people to trust you with their biggest investment right to sell their home for them or to buy a home uh what i ended up doing is i flipped it around into a positive and that's why i always say is if you can turn your negative into a positive and the way that I did it, uh, when I went in for a listing against these more established agents that were 55, 60, 65 years old, is I said, hey, look, a couple things. Um, I know I'm young, but I'm hungry. I got student loans I want to pay off. I want to make it, and I'm going to work hard for you, harder than anyone else. Uh, so while these other agents are off uh, in, uh, at their cottage in the summer, right, and they're enjoying their golden years, so I'm going to be hungry and out there working to sell your home. So I turned that into a positive, which actually helped me get a lot of listings once you confront it that way. So uh, there's an old saying, make the skeletons dance. You take the skeleton in your closet, and you turn it into a positive. There's, I couldn't hide how young I look. Like It's not like I could say, no, I'm, I'm really 50. I just look a lot younger. Right, you know, right. I, I was 21. Um, but I, I instead turned it into a positive. And I think that can be done in near every single situation out there. If you think that it's a negative, it can probably be flipped around into a positive. Yeah, no. The one thing you were talking about earlier is uh, is also not believing the thoughts in your head to be real. Yeah, and you know, again, there's a lot of psychology. Call it woo woo, call it whatever. But uh, you mentioned a few books, uh, thinking real rich, or, or you mentioned some of the Tony Robbins stuff. Is there a book that was like a major mindset mindset changer for you that kind of sent your your career yeah. up a level? I'll mention one that a lot of people don't know about because people know Think and Grow Rich, you know, how to win friends, influence people and the, the big ones. Um, but this is a book I wish I knew about when I went through the business closure and I didn't find out about it until I started in coaching. And it's Thick Face, Black Heart. And it's Chin Ming Chu wrote that. She wrote it in the 90s. Uh, rest in peace. She passed away. But a Thick Face, Black Heart, I say it's a really book, a hard book to describe. It's a cross between... Uh, the Art of War, uh, a little bit of Think and Grow Rich in there, and, and some other uh, things. It's um, a realistic look at human behavior. So you know Robert Greene, who has the 48 Laws of Power and all those type books? Yep. I think he was probably influenced by her. Uh, mm. Because, uh, yeah, so not many people know about that book. I read it at least once a year because uh, it's not a light, fluffy, rose-colored glasses, you know, woo-woo, like shoot out positive vibrations from your butt and, you know, the, <laughs> the universe will provide for you. It's very hard edge in a way, but that's um, that's how you have to be. Like the world isn't always a 
happy place with everyone trying to help everyone. It can be a cutthroat place. So Thick Face Blackheart is one I wish I knew about earlier. I would have loved to have read it when I was young, even young. Yeah, Thick thick Face Blackheart, Blackheart. the warrior yeah. philosophy for conquering the challenges of business and life. You got Great her. name. Great. <clears throat> 1994. So again, powerful book if, it, if the principles you're reading today are still applicable. It's a great book. It's not trendy. Uh, I'll definitely pick that up. Any parting thoughts, Mark, on things that you're most excited about in your space right now? Oh, geez. Um, <clears throat> I won't mention chat, <laughs> uh, AI and stuff, because that's overdone with people. Uh, I, I think it's a little overblown, although it's kind of cool. Um, I think in my space, what's going to be interesting is um, we saw a lot of new co- uh, people get into coaching when COVID hit because they viewed it as a get rich quick. And there were people that had government money, that had disposable money to buy courses. They were home to do these online trainings. And a lot of people made a lot of money, but uh, what's happened is a lot of them are now out of the coaching world. And they're, well, not now. They, they went over to um, a cryptocurrency. Now they're probably off to something else because that hasn't gone great. And no. uh, what's exciting is um, for those who can... Uh, stay in there to keep your head above water and uh, rough out any difficult economic times coming up. I think there's going to be more business for you at, at the end of the day. Uh, so a, a quick story from back again in my real estate days, but it's applicable for coaching or any one doing business nowadays. Um, I hadn't, I wasn't selling real estate back in the early eighties because I was in diapers, but um, I spoke with agents who were in the business back around like the early 80s when the interest rates just went through the roof, you know, at 20 some percent, like a credit card, your mortgage interest rate. And I said, geez, that must have been scary. How was it? I said to one particular agent, how was it like selling around then? She said it was the best time ever. I loved it because what happened is it cha- chased off all the ones who weren't doing much uh, or the ones that weren't really committed and they were kind of lukewarm, but they were still all added up or stealing market share away from the top right. agents. They all got out of the business and left more for those successful agents uh, that could stick in there. And I see the same thing in 2023. If we hit a difficult economic times and it contracts a little bit, the online space and coaching space will chase people away. That's more for for me and for others that are doing well with it. So. Well, thanks, Mark. I uh, I look forward to doing some more research, getting some more information in the show notes, and where can people find uh, find you online. Yeah. So uh, the main site's naturalborncoaches.com. And then the Facebook group, which we mentioned, the direct link there is thecoachingjungle.com. Great. Well, we will uh, get that. And I really appreciate uh, you sharing your tips and tricks today. Yeah. Thanks, Dawson. Thank you for tuning into this episode. If you enjoyed the show, please like and rate the show, share with a friend, or use your new knowledge in your next conversation. If during the show something gave you a pang of inspiration, motivation, or sense of uncertainty, act on it now. Get the clarity you're looking for. Find the permission you seek. Go to servicewealth.com to discover how others are learning how to take Fridays off, or buying a recreation property, or spending more money. If you're an organizer of an event where you believe my philosophy on finance and lifestyle design would be applicable, Go to servicewealth.com and book me as a speaker at your next event. If you want a copy of our new book coming out soon, send me a message on Instagram or Facebook and we will be sure to get you a first copy.